Cloud ERP is not only a choice, it's the future of ERP in a world that is demanding you to be increasingly intelligent and sustainable. That's why for carbon accounting, we've created an offering that allows you to gradually transition. So start from a world where you basically do the top-down estimate, as I described, take inventories, the spend-based approach, emissions factors, estimate your carbon footprint, and then over time, you will replace more and more of these average values with actual values. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. Today, I'm going to be discussing how carbon accounting will revolutionize sustainable business transformation with SAP's Chief Strategy Officer, Sebastian Steinhauser. Welcome, Sebastian. I'd like you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and your current role. Hey, Richard. Nice to meet you and great to be on your show today. So I'm Sebastian Steinhäuser. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at SAP. It's always the most terrifying question. What does that actually entail? <laughs> well, but one thing for sure, it entails that I'm responsible for our growth areas. So SAP Signabio, SAP Business Network, and of course, and that's why we are talking here today, SAP Sustainability. Great. So. Every day in the news, we're hearing about sustainability and particularly the impact of climate change on the world. And it's obvious to me, at least, that individuals need to do something, but also corporations and businesses need to take action. So what are you seeing driving sustainability initiatives within businesses today? I speak to dozens and dozens of decision makers across the world in companies. And what's first of all encouraging is I'm not hearing questions anymore about why should I start sustainability initiatives or even what should be my target. Many of our companies have set very explicit targets. So what's really driving initiatives today is how to take action. First of all, how to record actual instead of average data, reliable data to the same quality you are used to on the financial data side. Second is, of course, how to ensure regulatory compliance. It's a big driver for initiatives right now with like a broad range of regulation coming up in Europe as well as in the US, but also across the world, be it on carbon transparency, but also on things like plastic taxes, carbon border taxes, CSRD. So regulatory compliance is a big driver. But then the third and most important driver is how to really then take action and how to not only report, but also deliver on your ambitions. And what I'm hearing very consistently from decision makers across the world, and that's our core belief, is sustainability shouldn't be a separate initiative from your core business. Sustainability, quite the opposite, needs to be interwoven into your business strategy, your business processes, your business decision-making, down to Every individual decision that's being taken in the company, be it an employee that makes a travel decision or a procurement person making a procurement decision or a controller calculating a business case. So what's driving sustainability initiatives is, first of all, get accurate data. Second, ensure regulatory compliance. But then third and most importantly, taking actions against ambitious targets. It's great to hear that companies are now, as you said, starting to take action. And we heard this loud and clear from our customers at Sapphire. And at Sapphire, we announced transactional carbon accounting and the company's vision for the green ledger. So can you share a little bit more information about this? Yeah, absolutely. 
first of all, when talking sustainability, I mean, climate change is clearly the most urgent challenge. And across the world right now, we are seeing record temperatures. We really start to see the effects of climate change. Now, when I talk to customers, the biggest issue right now in taking climate action is actually having reliable data at hand. And when you slice that elephant, typically for any given company, 80% of their carbon emissions is usually in what you call scope three emissions. So emissions that are not in your own operations, but rather in your value chain. So for that, you need to have reliable information transmitted through your value chain, as you know it from financial data. So that's why we work closely together, for example, with the World Business Council for Sustainable Development and authored a piece that we dubbed Treat Carbon Like Money. And that's really the idea of the Green Ledger is that we apply the principles we have applied for 50 years to financial accounting and take those principles and apply it to carbon accounting, where we then move from today's world where carbon emissions are basically based on top-down estimates and move over time to a world where more and more of that will be based on transactional values that are shared across value chains. So pretty basically to make it very visible, right? Today, how a company estimates their scope three value chain emissions is based on, you look in the ERP system into your inventory management, you look at the stuff you procured, maybe you procured a ton of steel, and then you take from a emissions factor database, a simple, like, oh, what's the CO2 intensity per ton of steel? You multiply that and you have an estimate. But that can be far off. We have studies find that it can be 30 to 40% off. Now going forward, your carbon emissions will become a more and more critical source of competitive advantage of data. And you cannot live in a world where you have a value that might be 30, 40% off based on a top-down average. What you need is transaction-level data so that your steel supplier sends you a accurate, verifiable emissions intensity for the specific ton of steel you bought. You take that into your inventory management in the ERP, and then you drag it through, like you do with the financials, through the processes that are mirrored in your ERP, and then basically transmit to your customer, again, a carbon intensity for the product user. And that's really the fundamental idea of the Green Ledger. It's a true moonshot for SAP. I call it reinventing the R in ERP. You know, that stands for resources and treating non-financial resources, starting with carbon like financial resources. That's a great overview. And maybe we can go in a little bit more detail for the people that don't know about transactional carbon accounting. What exactly is transactional carbon accounting and what steps can companies take to get there? Yeah, absolutely. So transactional carbon accounting literally means accounting for carbon, not on a corporate average level, but on a singular transaction level for a individual purchase you made, for an individual manufacturing process you operate. Basically, like you do financial accounting today. You don't just estimate, oh, what's the cost of my inventory? What's the cost of my operations? What's the cost of my supply chain? You know it down to the specific truck that shipped a specific good to your warehouse. You know the financial impact of that. And our 
vision is clearly, and we hear that loud and clear from thought-leading companies, from standard setters, from regulators, that this is the direction carbon accounting will take over time, that you have to move away from global averages, corporate averages, more and more towards the transaction level. Now, that will clearly be a journey. It's nothing that will happen from today to tomorrow over one or two years. I mean, if you think about it, always think about financial accounting had 150 years to evolve or even more. I think the Chinese invented the first like single entry bookkeeping almost a thousand years ago. Now, that's why for carbon accounting, we've created an offering that allows you to gradually transition. So start from a world where you basically do the top-down estimate, as I described, take inventories, spend-based approach, emissions factors, estimate your carbon footprint. For that, we have developed SAP Sustainability Footprint Management that will become part of RISE. And that gives you, first of all, the ability to not only on a corporate level, but down to product and process level, which is pretty unique, estimate carbon footprints. And then over time, as we build out the green ledger in our ERP, the transactional side, you will replace more and more of these average values with actual values. Now, that can be a journey depending on the industry you are in, depending on the country you are in, that might take two or three or five years. But we are very convinced that this will be the journey the world will be on as carbon will become one of the most critical resources. I've always thought that, and you, you mentioned that your value chain or your supply chain is where 80% of the emissions come from. So I always thought it'd be somebody in supply chain that would be responsible for sustainability. But the reality is everyone in the business should be responsible for sustainability. But when it comes to transactional carbon accounting, who in the organization drives that? So what I clearly observe is that CFOs start to become a more and more critical stakeholder because as we discussed in the beginning, there's regulatory compliance and there's taking action and there's managing carbon like money. And that's what more and more companies take to heart. So you want to have for regulatory compliance, but also to measure your progress and to make investment cases. You want to have at least carbon accounting to a similar level of accuracy as you have your financial accounting and in sync with your financial accounting. And as more and more companies realize that, typically what we see is that CFOs and chief controlling officers or chief accounting officers are taking the lead here and building up dedicated teams to drive carbon accounting, to drive regulatory compliance. But as you said, that doesn't mean that the CFO or the chief accountant is the only stakeholder, because typically you have a chief sustainability officer as well. He or she is usually then responsible to define the initiatives, to define the ambition level. You have the chief supply chain or chief procurement officer who typically sits on the levers to drive down emissions. You have maybe a head of manufacturing thinking about energy efficiency. You have a product team that has to think about how to increase the sustainability throughout the product design already embedded in. So while CFOs take more and more a role in the accounting piece, everybody needs to join in to really drive action and to ensure sustainability. And that's another reason why I so much believe in this transactional carbon accounting approach 
very close to the ERP. Because if you think about it in the financial world, it's the ERP that enables the entire organization, not just the CFO, to collaborate around financial and goods flow data. And with that, applying that same principle, we can make available the carbon data as well at the point where decisions are being made. Okay. So we've talked about what carbon accounting is, who's responsible for it, and some of the guidance for achieving that. But what do companies need to do to start their journey around sustainability and carbon accounting in particular? First of all, of course, I would always start with the business strategy first. How does sustainability and especially climate action fit into your business strategy? What's your ambition level? Do you want to only comply regulatory? Or what I would always recommend is drive to be a sustainability leader in your industry for competitive advantage. So that's the first step. Determine the business strategy. I think with any IT or initiative, always business strategy first. And then, of course, I mean, you should take a look at, okay, where do we stand today? Most companies already account for carbon, but in typically spreadsheets, very high-level solutions that only give you very limited granularity. And then I would basically always advocate for, okay, start from setting up a more system-based, more rigorous approach around maybe a tool like SAP Sustainability Footprint Management for the top-down estimates where you can go more granular. Like that's the big differentiator. What we can deliver is not only corporate, but product and process level footprints. Then really the next step is understand where the biggest hotspots are, which priority products to target, which priority processes to target. And then really drive for action across these setting up rigorous measures to drive down the carbon footprint and track these again, where of course SAP can help to ensure system-wise that you also have the full transparency and auditability, by the way. You're right, though. It's important. First of all, you've got to set the basis, what you're starting from, because if you don't know where you're starting from, how are you going to get to where you want to go? You can't set up, I'm going to have carbon zero by a certain time in the future. If you don't know where you are today. Absolutely. And look, and that's, I think what many companies wake up to now is they have set a ambitious target, but they didn't yet spend enough time about baselining where you are and how to really get there. And that's why I believe so much in this transactional carbon accounting approach. The only way to really drive action is to do that on a solid data foundation and analytical foundation. I mean, I love that old saying, you only get what you measure. Yeah. So, and that's why I think taking carbon accounting out of Excel to the next level is so critical. So we've been talking about calculating a carbon footprint, sharing data across the supply chain from suppliers and building that transactional data foundation. So with all of that in mind, how can SAP help make transactional carbon accounting a reality? No, absolutely. So at Sapphire this year, we announced what I believe is the most complete offering to take you through the entire journey. And it consists of three building blocks. First of all, as I already outlined, SAP Sustainability Footprint Management. It's a calculation footprint management tool that allows you to calculate your carbon footprint on corporate product and process level. 
leveraging emissions factor basis and our deep understanding of the ERP, of the business processes in the ERP, the data structures, the data model. So that's the first part. Second part is then, because most companies have 80% of their footprint in the value chain, you need to start to exchange sustainability footprint data with your supply chain so that you start to build up actuals instead of averages. For that, we've set up the sustainability data exchange that allows you in a very nimble way using the World Business Council for Sustainability Development Pact Framework to exchange carbon footprint data across your supply chain. Basically request carbon footprints from your suppliers according to a globally aligned methodology and provide them to your customers. And then the third leg of the stool is, of course, with S4HANA Cloud through Rise and Grow, we will now incrementally deliver the green ledger that really gives you then that transactional foundation deeply embedded into the ERP so that you can really go down to the transactional level. That's where the supplier data will basically land and where you can then really drag carbon in sync with financial flows through the processes of your company, instead of mirroring the whole complexity of your company in a separate tool that's not 100% aligned with the ERP. So basically, you can start by typically first step, SAP sustainability footprint management, then starting to share data through sustainability data exchange across your value chain, and then with the adoption of S4HANA Cloud, get access to the green ledger, which we will incrementally deliver starting end of the year. And that then gives you the ability to over time move from averages to actuals. You don't have to do that tomorrow. For some areas, it might never or not within the next five years happen. But for other areas that are really critical for you, where you have the highest footprint, you might want to go there sooner rather than later. And that's, I think, the unique value proposition we can provide that we can take you on the entire journey, no matter where your starting point is and no matter what your ambition is. We're obviously getting data from lots of different places, lots of different companies, lots of different databases. How does the cloud play into this strategy? Well, I mean, first of all, I actually love the fact that for carbon accounting or sustainability in general, you, of course, have many data sources. I mean, and that's for SAP. I mean, in the ERP, we need to integrate with so many systems, with manufacturing systems, with product design systems, with logistics companies. So for us, that's nothing new. And of course, the cloud makes it even easier as we invest a lot into APIs, into standard interfaces with data warehouse cloud and the SAP data sphere, a market leading offering for data integration in the cloud. That's at the foundation of everything we develop also in the sustainability area. It, of course, makes it a lot more efficient and easy to cater for the you know, very broad data integration needs sustainability brings that are, however, for us, no different to the data integration needs we anyhow face every day to enable very complex value chains, logistics chains across the world. But of course, as you say, I think the cloud will be a big booster to make a big step forward. And that's why also we have decided that we will provide our transactional carbon accounting capabilities through S4HANA cloud to our rise and grow customers. As companies look to adopt this approach, 
they look for leadership in the space. Are there certain industries or regions leading the way when it comes to carbon accounting? It's a great question. So first of all, and I talk to customers across all industries and regions, I find that industry leaders typically, independent of the industry, independent of the regions, are really keen also to lead not only in their core business, but also in sustainability as future competitive advantage will increasingly depend on your ability to also manage towards a low carbon footprint as consumers actually will choose going forward, not only on cost and quality, but also on sustainability. Now, however, there are some hotspots in first focusing on the industry side I'm seeing. So typically where we see a lot of movement already is either industries that are end consumer facing as more and more consumers demand sustainable alternative for their products, especially demand product level transparency on carbon footprints and circularity. So that's why we see a lot of demand in end consumer facing B2C businesses. So examples, consumer goods, retail, automotive OEMs. So that's one hotspot. The other hotspot I'm clearly seeing is energy intensive industries, chemicals, building materials. So industries where you have a large, significant carbon footprint that is also not scope three, like we discussed earlier, but for them really scope one. So they have energy intensive production and they need to invest billions of dollars into maybe, for example, hydrogen fueled chemical plant. Now to make that business case work, you need to be able to measure the carbon intensity of the product down to really SKU level, because the only way to justify that investment is if you can charge a premium, but to charge that premium, your customers will want to understand how much more do I pay for how much less carbon, not only on corporate level, but for the specific product that I'm buying. So to make that trade-off. So those are two hotspot areas I'm seeing. Region-wise, I have to say that we are seeing quite a balanced demand for our products. So I wouldn't say there's any one region that completely sticks out here. Clearly in Europe, of course, I think we are furthest ahead in terms of regulatory requirements. But that then affects companies across the world because most larger companies do business in Europe. So it's not that only European companies are affected by these laws. So that's why I would say regionally, I don't see massive imbalances. There's significant interest from the US. There's significant interest out of Asia, Europe. The biggest difference I'm seeing that market leaders are typically thinking earlier and more intensive about how to drive sustainability leadership, but that's the main difference. Apart from the obvious one of making the world a better place for future generations, what benefits are companies seeing in taking this approach? So look, to me, it's literally about gaining competitive advantage. And I give you a very simple example. I just talked to a peer of mine at an automotive OEM. They are super clear in terms of their core belief is going forward, especially if you want to sell a premium car, consumers will make their choice not only on the price, the quality, the features of that car, but also on the carbon intensity of that car. So being able to produce a car at a given 
cost-price-quality ratio with a lower carbon footprint will be a significant competitive advantage in their mind. And that's really the benefit they are seeing. And that's why they want to move towards transactional carbon accounting, because in their example, I think 90% of their carbon footprint is in their very complex, deep global value chain. And it makes a difference if you buy a ton of steel, for example, as an automotive OEM for seven tons of CO2 per ton of steel or for 20 tons of CO2 per ton of steel. And you need to be able to reliably measure on a more transaction level the inputs you are getting. They are thinking about mandates even for their core suppliers to share product level carbon footprints. And they are fully committed to the journey towards transactional carbon accounting and the green ledger because not for regulatory compliance, not for any like risk mitigation, but really because they believe it's a source of competitive advantage to be able to measure and act on your carbon footprint, not only on corporate, but down to process, product, and transaction level. I have one final question that I ask all of our participants, and it's around the future of ERP. So when it comes to carbon accounting and sustainability in general, what do you see as the future of ERP? So I think the future of ERP is aligned with SAP's overall vision. So I believe the future of ERP is intelligent, networked, and sustainable. These are the three tenets of SAP's corporate vision, and I think they apply in a beautiful way to what I think the future of ERP is. But And then, of course, the future of ERP is in the cloud, because if you want to drive innovation with agility to increase intelligence, to ensure you are networked with your ERP across your value chain and to ensure you embed sustainability into the product. The only way to benefit from this innovation really every day that SAP is driving from the thousands of people who improve our product every day is if you run your ERP in the cloud. And that's why I'm a big believer in cloud ERP and think cloud ERP is not only a choice, it's the future of ERP in a world that is demanding you to be increasingly intelligent, networked, and sustainable. That's a great wrap-up, Sebastian. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a great conversation. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast series to get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Sebastian and I, thanks for discussing the future of ERP.